Welcome to BSD Talk, number 79. It's Tuesday, October 31st, 2006. In the news, there's a reminder out that Asia BSD Con is asking for papers and presentations. And also, BSD Can 2007 has been pushed back one week. It will now be held on May 18 and 19, and the tutorials will be on the 16th and the 17th. I went to the New York City BSD convention this past weekend, and it was really a wonderful time. They put together a great conference. It was two days of speakers and tutorials and presentations, a lot of really interesting topics, and it was also really great to meet a lot of the people that I've interviewed and the people that are putting so much effort into the BSD community and the different projects. So I really want to encourage everyone to go to these kinds of things, no matter where you are. They're just a great opportunity to meet some really great people sound like a broken record if I just keep saying everyone's such a great person, but they really are. It's such a wonderful community of people out there, people who are really interested in the technology, interested in getting things done, and who really devote a lot of time and effort to a project that is given away for free. So I just want to take this time to thank everyone who put together that conference and all the people who worked on the presentations and made it a wonderful experience. For those of you who couldn't make it to the New York City BSD convention, there is audio and slides available on the New York City BSDCon website. That's nycbsdcon.org. So definitely go check them out. Really interesting stuff. Now, on to the interview. Today on BSD Talk, we're speaking with David Gwynn. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me again. The reason I wanted to speak to you today was regarding the impending release of OpenBSD 4.0. Could you describe that release a little bit? I don't know how because OpenBSD development isn't really about getting features out the door. It's about getting the tree ready for use at a particular point in time and getting that out. So it's just more of the same thing but with more drivers and more fixes and things like that. I've heard the development process described as evolutionary rather than revolutionary. Yeah, that's very true. We don't really set feature lists or anything like that to get a release out the door, so that's why we're able to get releases out every six months rather than when it's ready, basically. We just say at this point we have to stop adding new stuff and we have to make it solid and ready to go. That's our development model. A lot of the releases have focused on particular topics, such as the blob release Mm -hmm. or other things like the raid release. Is there any focus of this release? I think the big focus in this release was the fact that we're doing things our way rather than the way that the rest of the industry seems to be going, rather than uh, new technology or a focus on a particular area of device support or something like that. I think it's just reaffirming that what we do is kind of special, I think. I guess a lot of people may have some misconceptions about the release process and what the numbers mean also, given that this is yes. a 4.0 release. But it doesn't necessarily mean that this is a significant change over 3.9. No, no. It's just a snapshot at some point that's fixed up for general use. We develop in the tree for four or 
five months at a time and we throw a lot of stuff in there. But every six months we say we have to stop and we have to make this code work and work well. So we just spend basically a month testing and fixing up bugs and getting it ready for release. And that's what comes out. And what areas of OpenBSD do you focus most of your development time on? In the last release, well, I rewrote a driver and I wrote another SCSI driver and I cleaned up miscellaneous other bits as I went along. So mostly SCSI device support at the moment. And what was the reason for rewriting these drivers? The driver I rewrote was the driver for the LSI Logic message passing technology, the MPT Fusion controllers, and I rewrote it because a lot of people were asking for the driver to support new hardware. Like The hardware itself isn't really hardware, it's a firmware interface we talk to, and that firmware interface then abstracts away the particular type of hardware you're talking to. So... The hardware can support fiber channel, normal SCSI or SAS controllers, and I think there are some iSCSI variants around, but the firmware abstracts them away so that they all look very similar to each other, so we should only have one common driver that can talk to all those buses. However, the MPT driver was written several years ago when only the fiber channel and the parallel SCSI controllers were around, and it actually had those two types hard-coded into it. There had been some attempts to bring it up to date with newer hardware types, but because of the structure of the driver and the general messiness of it compared to a lot of other OpenBSD code, it was very difficult for me to get my head around. So rather than try to fix something which looked bad, I decided to rewrite it. And in the process, I fixed the fact that it wasn't 64-bit clean, it wasn't bus endian clean, it didn't work on caching coherent architectures. It now supports all types of buses, except for maybe iSCSI because I haven't had any of those controllers to play with, and it seems to work faster in the process, so I'm happy with it. Another topic that comes up quite often is support from hardware vendors around documentation and other support. How has the support been from the manufacturer of those cards? The LSI Logic guys, they haven't helped me personally and they haven't supplied documentation. I believe you have to sign an NDA to get documentation for any of their SCSI controllers or RAID controllers. So what I did was work with Marco and use the Linux and FreeBSD drivers as um, references for the commands and the I.O. path. Fortunately, Marco gets to work with those a lot at work, so he's quite familiar with them, which is basically why his name's on the driver. And when you rewrote the driver, did you also reduce the number of lines of code and the complexity? The MPT driver was originally around... 10,000 or 11,000 lines of code, and I believe it's closer to 5,000 now. So, yes, and the fact that it supports more hardware kind of makes me amused. Yeah, I see that as a, as a wonderful trend when there's a lot of work to rewrite stuff and also clean it up and, and shrink it down. And I think a lot of other technology out there seems to add features and add lines of code and add complexity. Yeah, I think it'll... A bit of the problem is that you have existing old code that works in a very simple way and people want to add stuff to it. But rather than think about how the flow should change, they just stick it on the side. So there's lots of hacks where they have to jump out of the original flow of code into their own stuff. And it just increases the complexity and the the size of the code. If you take a step back and redesign and 
go back in with the new code, you get a chance to address those issues and reduce things a lot. And besides the MPI drivers, what other projects are you working on that we might see in the 4.0 release? I wrote the ARP driver for the Eureka RAID controllers in 4.0 as well, which is another RAID controller like the Mega RAIDs, but it's obviously by a different manufacturer. That vendor couldn't give us documentation either, really. But I think the problem with them is they don't actually have any. So, again, I used the FreeBSD driver and some open source specs for the chips on the card and wrote a driver from that. And these are all cards that can be controlled from the BIO interface? Controlled is such a strong word. These can be monitored, basically. MPI is just a straight SCSI controller, so at the moment there's no need for bio hooks into it to see the state of volumes because it's mostly a SCSI controller. It does have some RAID features, and I'm looking at trying to get bio to look at those, but at the moment it just doesn't have it. Arc does have some bio support, so you can see the state of RAID volumes and the disks on it, which is good. It's very significant that Arc and is supported by BIO because in the previous release, 3.9, we only had one driver that was supported by BIO and that was AMI for the Mega Raids. In this release, we now have four drivers with BIO CTL support, which definitely proves what we've been saying all along is that RAID cards aren't special. You should be able to have one tool that can monitor and control them all and, yeah, we've proved it in 4.0. And if money was no object, what RAID card would you put in your servers? I really like the Mega Raid SAS controllers supported by the MFI driver at the moment. Yeah, it's nice, and the hardware it plugs into is good as well. I definitely prefer SAS and SATA over traditional parallel SCSI. Marco actually wrote the MFI driver in 4.0 as well, so this release has seen some really big SCSI drivers go in. And what about current projects for maybe the 4.1 release? I've just spent the last two days rewriting the VMware virtual interface driver, so I've almost got that working. That should definitely make 4.1. Marco and I are working on some fixes to the SCSI mid-layer, which hopefully will make it in as well. Apart from that, I'm still waiting for something to really grab me and get my attention. I've been a bit burnt out after ARC, I think. And will you be attending any upcoming conventions or hackathons? There's a hardware hackathon at the end of this month in Portugal, which I'm going to. I'm not sure what I'll work on there, but it should be a lot of fun. And after that, there's OpenCon in Venice, which I'm supposed to be giving two talks at. And you're in Australia, right? Yes. Do you find that there's a lot of BSD or OpenBSD users and developers in Australia? Where I am, I feel kind of isolated. I'm the only really hardcore OpenBSD user that I know of in Brisbane. My boss does have commit access, though. But, yeah, I don't really go out and socialize in Unix users groups and some stuff like that, so I don't really know. I'm very introverted, I guess. I occasionally do get an email from people around Brisbane who are happy about the device support and who offer me lunch, but I work too far from the city usually to take advantage of that. And how do you use OpenBSD, both personally and at work? At work, it's used on the firewalls, but a lot of the work done to get that working was done by my boss, Chris Pascoe. So there's a few other services like miscellaneous things like DNS and proxies and SSL wrapping and things like that, which are done by OpenBSD, but 
a lot of the rest of it's done by big heavy Solaris boxes in a couple of Windows servers and things like that. So that's what I use at work. At home, I have a machine I use to shell from, which is OpenBSD, and it's probably the one I use the most. I've got OpenBSD desktops and several servers floating around that I do development on, and I use it for everything that I need serving for at home. Are there any big features or problems that maybe you haven't tackled yet, but you see coming on the horizon that you'd like to start devoting some time to? Uh, I'd rather not answer that question because people might get a bit upset. But <laughs> one of the big problems, <laughs> one of the big problems, is in the SCSI mid layer. SCSI controllers can take a certain number of commands, which will it will then farm out to all the devices on the bus, and in turn, the devices on the bus can take a certain number of commands. So. For example, MPI can take 1,024 commands on the bus and a device might be able to take 128. The problem is that in our mid-layer, we have to split the openings or number of commands on the controller up between all the possible disks. So if a bus can take, say, we're talking about fiber channel, that's 256 devices on the bus that we think could be there, those 1,024 commands will be split up by the mid-layer for each device. So, in effect, each device, according to our mid-layer, only has four outstanding commands available on it. But in reality, despite the fact that you've got 256 possible targets on the bus, you only really populate three or four of them, when in fact they can possibly take 100 at a time. And the problem with that is the disks can't reorder operations effectively to get decent speeds on, and we end up getting, like, in one really, really bad case I think I've seen about half the performance than if we gave it 200 openings, for example. Another big problem that annoys me is the fact that we can only do 64 kilobytes in each transaction to a SCSI device, while some SCSI devices these days can do 32 meg at a time. It would be nice to be able to push that number up, but it affects a lot of subsystems in the kernel, which I don't really want to think about right now. Perhaps this is a controversial question, but... Uh... Yep. Is SCSI dead, and is Serial ETA going to take over? I think SCSI is well and truly alive. This is a protocol that survived for a long, long time, and it's been more advanced than ATA for that entire period, I think. So I think the other way might happen is that SCSI might take over from Serial ATA. There is a trend for a lot of people, like no matter what storage you have, is to make it look like SCSI. I mean, you look at the Linux kernel where they make all their ATA controllers look like SCSI now, and that's something I would like to do in the future. You look at RAID controller vendors and all their controllers look like SCSI cards now instead of RAID cards. I mean, SCSI is the de facto language for talking to storage in the kernel. So I think, yeah, I think SCSI is going to take over from ATA in the future. Well, are there any other topics that you wanted to talk about today? I would like to point out that we've got, like, I think it's five new wireless drivers and also the SDMMC stuff. That's very cool. Great. Well, thanks for speaking with me today. Not a problem. If you'd like to leave comments on the website or reach the show archives, you can find them at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com.